it's flat out RC time and it's Andrew Sill here coming to you from the land from down under. What is Flat Out RC? Well, if you're new here, it's a podcast that looks at all things radio, control flight. We're talking planes, drones, and helis. Speaking of helis, I have a heli guest. I'm trying to line up a heli guest. It's hard to find a heli guest at the moment, but uh, I have got a gentleman. We're just trying to coordinate times. It's been pretty tricky, but uh, stay tuned, you heli guys, because someone is coming. A bit to talk to about this week, but a uh, special guest uh, this week is a man by the name of Chris Rutter. Chris Rutnut Rutter, for those of you that know him well, uh, comes from the IMAX scene here in Australia, involved with the Scale Aeros Association as vice president. Good friend of mine, so we're going to have a bit of fun with Chris Rutter later. But uh, before we get to that, I've got some big news I've got to tell you about, so stay tuned. Well, I said I've got big news, and it's probably not big news to a lot of people, uh, really, but it is to those that have been following my journeys with a turbine jet, my Viper jet that I bought last year pre-COVID, or no, it was it was around pre-COVID time, I think it was very early days of COVID coming in, and didn't get the opportunity to fly it, couldn't get to the field, blah, 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 whatever. And anyway, all my friends kept saying, oh, you're never going to fly it, and all that kind of stuff. Well... I've flown my Viper jet. So this week, this past weekend, I was attending the Wang Jets event. Now, Wang Jets event is the biggest turbine-only jet event in Australia. Uh, not sure how many pilots we got. Like this year was not a big year because of COVID and all that kind of stuff. Uh, some people didn't want to travel from interstate, but there were some you know, a number of interstate visitors. I can't remember, it was about 50 pilots or more, but uh, plenty of planes around. Four-day event, Thursday to Sunday. Um, the Victorian Jet Aerosport Association runs it, and they did an excellent job. Uh, not trying to pump up their tyres. It was genuinely a good event. I actually said it to the some of the guys in the committee uh, that they're really working on how to improve the event in very small ways just by being empathetic to people's situations. Like, for example, uh, rather than giving out, you know, Pilot's Choice Awards and things like that on the Sunday at the you know, close of the event, they, they did it on the Saturday because they know that on Sunday, a lot of people, especially interstaters, may travel home. So something like that. It just it just shows you the, the de- detail that they're, you know, addressing and refining the, the, the event. I arrived on the Friday morning, straight from the Melbourne three-hour drive. It's held at the Wangaratta Airport, so they managed to get the airport closed down for four days, except for the air ambulance, which does come in and out um, a few times. The uh, the helicopter came in uh, when I was there on Saturday, uh, but you know, we've got um, ground crew, got radio, so they can communicate with any traffic. Um, well-managed event, good flight line management. Uh, you know, if you're interested, or, or, I'm going to tell you. So if you're not interested, bad luck. But the way they manage the flight line is they had four boxes off the uh, off the um, in the taxiway, uh, numbered one to four. Uh, then there were four flying boxes out on the flight line, numbered one to four. If you're in went to number one spot in the taxi area, that means you're going to fly off number one spot on the flight line. And when number one on the flight line had landed, you start up your jet and off you go and you replace them. So it flowed really, really nicely. Uh, I think that jets, having a jet-only event just works really, really well. Uh, 
sometimes when you have jets and prop planes at an event, we love to see the jets. You know, we love prop planes as well. Um, but often we don't like to mix the two. At a jet event, it's, everybody's the same. So get out there and up to four planes in the air at a time. So I, I put that in my calendar as the deadline event for me to go to and take the Viper jet uh, uh, for a flight. And I'm so glad I did. I, it was a number of reasons why. One, well, first it, it forced me to, to mentally get prepared for it, which uh, was okay. I was um, feeling good about flying. It really was looking forward to flying it. But I, I think the biggest part of, the biggest value I got out of attending the jet was all the experienced heads were there. And the support I got to help get me up and running, give me some guidance, a few tips on what to be mindful of when I'm flying was just invaluable. I was like a sponge just soaking up everybody's information uh, and just so appreciative of having those guys by my side. So the result is I did two successful flights. Landings were great. Crosswind landings um, were good. No dramas whatsoever. And got a taste for the turbine. Now, the people have said to me, oh, I've got the bug now. That's it. You're going to just fly turbines. No, but what I do have the bug for now is to explore turbine flying more and more the subtleties of flying a turbine and getting better at you know managing the turbo the turbine lag, you know, um, knowing you know when to apply more throttle versus a prop plane, which is you know a bit more instantaneous than a turbine. But I'm really looking forward to that, just becoming a better jet pilot, better turbine jet pilot. Um, but I always set out to buy a jet so I can attend some of these jet events and everything that I had imagined came true and if not more. So I'm looking forward to getting back to some of those events and, and joining the other turbine flyers. It's, it was, it was good. It was just a good all around experience. We, we all you know, catch up for dinner after it and uh, have a chat and get to know people more. And it was just awesome. So a uh, number of people that really helped me. Greg Escort was uh, a great Mark Stewart, Michael Timms, uh, you know, Phil Salima, Paul McCarthy, Matt Tomlinson um, helped me out as well on the flight line, the, the second flight. Um, oh, just heaps of guys. Uh, Pat Garrow was lending me stuff because he basically bought his shed in his trailer when I needed a few you know, bits of glue and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, lots, lots of guys out there really lending a helping hand which I really, really appreciate. So successful flight. I really enjoyed the Skymaster Viper Jet, the two meter, the, with the P100, the JetCat P100 RX motor in it. Uh, everything went well. Um, no dramas, really. Pretty uneventful flights, really. So next step, just flight some more. guest time and this week is a guy that i've been asking to come on the podcast for a while uh his name is chris rutter the Rutnut. Uh, i met chris oh, many years ago when i was selling 3d hobby shop planes and he was a good customer and we became mates he came down to my uh, event that i used to organize the 3d hobby shop fly lowing out at ararat and uh he came to that and you know and we've just kept in contact we you know we, we speak regularly uh, he lives on the other end of the earth, really, compared to me. He's up in um, near Tamworth, New South Wales, and I'm down in Victoria, Melbourne. So, good thirteen hour drive or something, at least, to uh, to get to him. But we keep in contact um, and you know, talk about planes and what's been going on. So, anyway, it was really a pleasure. So, you you'll see us. You'll well, you'll see me mucking around a fair bit uh, in this chat because I know the guy well and. Uh, 
he gives me heaps. I give him heaps. I probably give him heap, give him more than he gives me. But uh, great bloke, uh, and it was a pleasure to have him on the podcast. So over to my chat with the man Chris Rutner Rutter. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this could be one of the worst podcast uh, episodes ever because my good friend Chris Rutner Rutter is joining us. Chris, thanks for joining us here on the Flat Out RC Podcast. Thanks, mate. Now. The reason why I say this could be the worst podcast ever is even before we got started, we almost had an argument and uh, you couldn't get your microphone to work properly <laughs> and whatever. And then you top it off by saying to me, oh, can we um, record this in a few days' time because <laughs> you because you told me you've had a few beers. Now, so we're getting off on a good note uh, already, uh, Ratnut. Uh, there's there are people in this in, in Australia that would know who you are through some of your aerobatic flying and IMAC involvement, and so we're going to get into that later. But uh, let's just position the rut nut. You know, where do you live? Live at uh, near Tamworth, a uh, little little town, uh, Karuna. It's this is probably only bloody. Oh, am I allowed to swear? <laughs> you just did, but just that word's okay, just not the f bombs. <laughs> Yeah, little uh, little town, Karuna, and yeah, it's a great little spot out here. So you're a farmer, yeah. and what are you growing? Uh, cotton and corn and sunflowers and wheat, everything. Try and grow a bit of everything, mainly, mainly cotton. Though. We do mainly grow cotton. The other crops are just a, um, a just a. Um, oh, you fill them it. in. You fill me in your stuff. You can't stuff it up here on the Flat Out RC podcast. The, the other crops are like recreational crops. So you just rotate the crops, right? But it's mainly, and as I call it, corn and corn. Um, yep. you, you love your corn. And how many acres you're on? Uh, 600. It's only a small farm. So. Yeah, only a small farm. And apparently in the 600 mm. acres, you can't find a spot to go flying. But you've got your own strip there, haven't you? Yeah, last year I put something down. Like I've been just flying off roads and stuff. And last year I put something in when COVID started, and the Gunnedah Club um, it 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 didn't go too well. It, it's um it's uh, it got closed, and so we we didn't have a spot to fly. So I I worked on putting a runway down on the farm and put some grass in. Yeah, it's good. What condition is it in at the moment? Because you've had a bit of rain up there. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's it's good. It looks good. How long's the strip? I've got cooch, got some cooch grass in. Oh. Yeah, no, it looks good. Well, you know, I've been talking. I've known you for a while now, and you I always I'm amazed at how little flying you actually do on your own land. Because most of us dream of having our own property where we can just duck out the back door and go for a fly. But uh, the two farming flying buddies, uh, Chris Rutnut Rudder and uh, Marty Morgan. Marty's got his own strip out the back, never goes flying. You've got your strip up the one of the paddocks, and but most of the time you can be found at a local club. Is that true? Yeah. Uh, look, it's it's more social. You know, you get out there and talk to people, and it's great. It's yeah. Look, when I first started, I I definitely flew a lot in the out the backyard with foamies and and small aircraft, and I definitely put in a lot of a lot of time uh, learning all that, and then. I don't know. Once once I started actually going to the club, I stopped. I stopped a lot of that and just flew at the club. So, well, yeah. You've preempted my first question, and it's actually a question that 
I've never I've never spoken to even though I've known you for years. I've never we've never actually discussed this. I know that you're an action man like myself and you've tried lots of different activities and things like that. But how did you get started in model planes? Oh, it's actually it's actually pretty good. Um, well, we'll, so we'll, mate, let, we'll was, let the audience I'll, decide whether it's good or not. <laughs> uh, I've probably told this a lot of times, actually, but uh, I was I was in the right into my RC cars, so I was tuning one eight scale nitro cars, and and I had to track out the back, and I out there all the time, grab a couple of beers, go out and rip some laps. It was my thing, and um, a mate of mine was trying to fly his father's uh, uh, Cessna, like it was a small, small uh, 40, 46 size plane and he was having trouble getting it going and he asked me if I'd go and help him get it going and did that and got it going good and got it running well and um, he had a few few flights with it and it wasn't too good so he had to do a few repair jobs with it but um, he eventually did fly it. Um, and I'd go and help him do that. Look, I still wasn't that interested. And and then he rang me one day. He said, oh, would you come over to this Veterans Day with me? And I was like, oh, righto. And um, so we went over there and um, had a steak sandwich and it was good. And um, and there were some guys doing the, uh, the control line. Yeah. And I'd never seen that. And that was that was bloody great. And um, anyway, there was this guy that, Pulled out this 100cc extra 260, oh, no. and as a hanger nine extra 260, and um, had the 100cc in it, and he had smoke coming out of it, and doing flat spins, and oh man, hovering it, hovering it an inch off the ground, and I, t- I turned to Clint and I said, I've got to do that, <laughs> and that was it. I was hooked, oh, got see? right into it. Oh, that was yeah. the, that was the plan. The plan was to hover a 100cc plane. That was that was it. And you still haven't been able to because you're still holding that steak sandwich in your hand. And you can't put, I can't believe I've never had a guest that said I had this steak sandwich. It was really good, uh, and that got into uh, got you into flying. So you kept on going back to the club because of the food, or because you fell in love. Oh with- look, man, I probably wouldn't have went if he had said I wasn't getting a steak sandwich. So yeah, I can imagine. And you probably had a few beers on the way. Anyway, so that's it. You see this hang. What year is this? Let's give me a year that you sort of saw that hundred cc. Was it? Oh, that would have been two thousand and eleven, twelve, somewhere around that. Okay, so yeah, yeah, that's about the same time I sort of got into it. Um, without the steak sandwich and the beers, but the yeah. So okay, you see this plane, and and we've got a similar story. Like I, I well, I was flying other planes. I always liked model planes, and then I saw the great man Edo Segev, and and went, oh, I want to do that. So you had that sort of yeah. epiphany moment where you saw the plane. What did what was your next yeah. move after that? You finished the steak sandwich. Then what did you do? Yeah. Oh look, we just well come home. I got online, bought a plane, bought a um a forty six size. I. I tried to skip the trainer. I went for the low wing and I stacked a few of them. I actually stacked two of them. Um, I got a sim. I actually, actually, first job, I actually bought a sim, but it was mode two. And Clint started taking me to the club with him and um, he was mode one. So I had to fly his on mode one. So I was learning on the sim mode two, but I was flying <laughs> his plane mode one. And um, 
I end up actually having to switch to um, mode one, unfortunately. But uh, uh. well, it turned out all right. I've got to say, it did turn out all right. But initially, I did actually learn um, mode two, um, and then yeah, the club, the club um, plane that they had there was um, it was a mode one. So I'd get on that with Buddy Box, and they'd teach me to, uh, to fly that. But it didn't. I didn't do much of that because I was doing a lot of sim work. So it, uh, I. I I actually talked to a guy from Armadale and he said to me when I first bought the sim, he said to me, don't treat the sim as um, just a, a like a video game or anything. Take, use it as a training tool. And he said, fly circuits on the sim. Don't go out and do all that other crazy stuff. He said, just fly circuits left and right and do your figure eights. And then within them circuits, do loops and, you know, a few other things if you want some rolls and, and, and you'll, you won't lose orientation and where you're at. And, and it, it worked for me. It worked really well. That's a great. That's a great strategy. That's a, actually that's a really good approach to learning how to fly on the sim. And I, I was similar. We had the same experience, right? And I was. I learned on the sim. Well, I, I, mm. in two thousand seven, I bought a helicopter, and really, you, you can't fly a helicopter without practicing on a sim. And then I'd yep. fly planes as well, and so I had a lot of practice before I actually got a, a fixed wing plane, and um, a flying sim practice that is. And my aim was to be able to land down the middle of the runway every time I wanted to. Because if I could yeah. land down the middle of the runway, I'd actually mastered orientation and control. So flying a circuit and then bringing it in um, was my main aim. And I didn't want to go and do loops and rolls because it was pretty easy to do on a sim, like mess it up, but you could do it. But yeah. flying that circuit. So that's a, actually anyone out there that's looking at getting into it, that's a really good approach is uh, – Treat it like the well, real thing. Fly your circuits and take off and landings and stuff like that. That that's what I tell people to do. Stick to them circuits, and then you know if they want to do some rolls and loops, do with it. Do it within the circuit, and yeah, that, that's number one. Though your circuit or landing, of course, take off landing. But yeah, they get mm. them circuits down left and right, figure eights, you know, both directions, and yeah, go from there. It really is just about. Oh, I was saying to someone today, um, because. Um, Hopefully by the time this uh, episode comes out, I would have flown my jet. And as I was saying to someone uh, last week, I don't have any problems with orientation. And mm. I think, you know, and it doesn't matter what orientation the plane is in, upside down, totally out of it kind of thing, you know, an abnormal um, you know, orientation, I can I can instinctively correct. And I think that's on the back of, playing on the sim and you and I like aerobatics and freestyle aerobatics and that kind of stuff. So of course we eventually tried to put our planes in funny positions on purpose as part of, you know, freestyle 3d flying and that kind of stuff. And so I, I don't, I think I've mastered orientation and have confidence now flying any aircraft at a basic level, going and doing low down freestyle and stuff like that is still something that is a bit daunting, but, um, orientation control is not a problem, and and definitely I think for me it was that sim time that 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 did that that just built that foundation of because my first flight was a non-event. I, I flew circuits and took off and landed in my first flight. Didn't even get close to yep. crashing. I, I, you know, um, I was flying by two motor champions though. Um, <laughs> that's the difference. Yeah, that's right. Bank and yanks, one hand set the throttle. Bank and yank with the right hand. Uh, Actually, yeah, I was talking to a guy on last week's podcast, Greg Escort. He flies mode three, which is mo- yeah. which is the reverse of mode two. So instead of the throttle on the 
left it's on the right rudder and and throttle on the right so yeah and then he's just got used to that yep. now so you, you had the low wings the, the little nitro jobbies what was your next yep. step after that uh just uh still nitro planes went with some little aerobats we were getting for about uh 200 bucks mm. uh delivered they were a nice little cheap thing they were great you could just fly the wings off them and um and yeah had a couple of them crashed a couple of them and we yeah, really got into them and i just flew the wings off them and little edges they were little edge 540s yeah. with a we put the os 55 in them and um me and my mate we both had them we both had the uh, 55ax in them and yeah they run great well i'll yeah. tell you what like listen to you talk about the early days you really progressed a long way from that. You obviously were, <laughs> you progressed pretty quickly because I probably bet you 2013, 14, maybe. And so by yep. that stage, when when I met you, I was selling 3D hobby shop planes, and you became a customer. That you were well on yep. your way in that aerobatic scene. So were you flying a lot back then? Yeah, look, I was. I had within six months of me starting to fly, I had uh, a 30cc MX2. With a petrol uh, DLE thirty in it, yeah, and that was that was scary. First time I flew that, that because I was just ripping these other things. I was like right into them and just tearing the wings off them, and it was great. Just really into them, you know, with all the knife edge spins and flat spins and just hammerheads, everything, just getting right into it. Yeah, and um, and then this this plane was a lot different. It was, I think, it's because it was big. It was just a lot bigger and. Um, it was a bit scary. First time I flew, I was shaking and, oh, man, it was – but I ended up, you know, getting right in with that. It, once once I got that plane worked out, um, a mate of mine actually, uh, Rodney Radcliffe – actually, I've Rocket, skipped a section. Rocket Rod. Rodney, Rodney uh, helped me out. Rodney's the one I was, bandit. Uh, when I was trying to fly and I skipped – remember when I said at the start that I, uh, I skipped the highway? Yeah. Well – I went to the low wing. I went straight to the low wing. I was struggling a little bit. I'd crashed a couple of them. And um, and Rodney said to me, oh, you should really start with the high wing. And he just, he, he gave me one for a hundred bucks. I was like, oh yeah, this is great. And I only flew it for two to three weeks. And that's all I needed. It just, I flew it every day, just about here on the farm. I was actually getting up early, early in the morning before work. I, in the, in the freezing cold, I was that keen to fly. It was just crazy. And I, I had the hairdryer out, heating the motor up to try and get it warm so I'd start because it was so cold. And this motor was so old, it just did not want to start in the cold. Mm. And um, so I flew, flew that for a couple of weeks, and uh, probably three weeks actually, and then um, retired it. I didn't crash it, luckily. And, and then, the, then the low wings were just, you know, it was all a breeze from there. So that, that would be my um, uh, uh, tip. Yeah. Tip for yeah, tip for anyone starting starting out. Yeah, definitely down that low wing, eh? But you know what's you know what's interesting though is that you sort of did it the right way in a kind of way, but you did it in a condensed way because you were flying so much. And I always say, you know, when I've interviewed yeah. the likes of Jace Ducia and, and you know some of those guns, it's just the sheer volume of time on the sticks that made the difference. Yeah. So you obviously were totally addicted to it, and I think you've got that kind of nature that when you want to get into something, you you don't muck around, you get into it. You keep on telling yep. me that you used to be into dirt jumping and motorbikes, but I don't believe you because I don't think you're as athletic as me. Have we ever had a running race? 
I'll probably beat you. <laughs> anyway, I've, look, I've watched you expand your empire over the years, um, but but you 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 obviously were pretty much addicted. You're going to hell for leather. Because, like you said, you probably wore out the, the, you know, or outgrew the high wing in two or three weeks, just flying on the farm. Yeah. And then, so yeah. I remember you had the green machine. The, the it was an EG aircraft, wasn't it? Thirty cc. Yeah. 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 And yeah, and so then you you really liked uh, what's her name, um, Joe Smith, didn't you? From who was flying for three D yeah. at the time. So you were obviously yeah. on on YouTube checking out stuff at the same time. Yeah. I just them rolling loops, man. That just got me. That was something that I wanted to do, and yeah, it was it was a, a big thing with all the rolling Harrier stuff and the rolling loops, and it was yeah, it was great to to to, to learn that, you know, and 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 I just watch all these movements, and I actually talked to um, when I got into iMac, I talked to Lifty Tim Tim McDonald about that because yeah. um, he was doing the rolling loop, and I, the First time I'd been to an iMac event, I'd seen uh, Tim do this rolling loop, and I was like, "Oh wow!" And I just like pestered him after that. I had to do that. How do you do that? <laughs> well, I've, I've I've seen you at, like I've got to say that you've been threatening to threatening to record a video of you flying and send it to me for probably about oh, six <laughs> or seven years now. And I've got footage of you from the the 3D hobby shop fly lowing events that you came to, and I always said, "Right now." To me, you just look like you're one step away from a crash, right? And you keep on saying to me, "No, nah, I'm really good now. I've improved." And I'm like, "Nah, I don't reckon you have." But the only thing I've got to be nice to you because you were a customer, and when you started buying like 100 CCs, and I think you bought a 30 CC and a 100 CC, a 3D hobby shop yeah. plane, you obviously were well on your way. Where did that 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 came after the the EG MX2 or whatever? didn't it um i bought a little electric off here the 72 inch yeah as well i think did i have that before the 100 or not i think you did yeah i think i might have because that's when i yeah that was my first imac event actually i went to um uh, the kudamundra imac and i had that 72 inch electric and that's what i uh competed with for my first imac comp okay and then Oh, that was the problem then. Well, she was good for me because then you came and bought a hundred cc. Yeah, hundred cc. So you oh, bought yeah, the I've seen all the hundred one hundred and three extra. I think it was the hundred cc that you bought. Yep, three hundred and thirty sc. And then, um, and you liked that plane, though, didn't you? Oh, I love it. I still got it hanging on the wall. Just going to fly. Still got I it. Pulled all the gear out of it, didn't it? Then... I've, re- I've, re- I've retired it. It's it's hanging up without a motor. And servos, but just the airframe. It's just, I was actually talking to Brad Worm about it because he's flying the slick now. And I said, Oh, I should bust out the 103. Old school. We'll get a dual hover shot. <laughs> you still can't hover, though. That's the only problem. He can, but I don't know about you. <laughs> Mr. One Step Away from a Stack. And well, he had the 103. And I had the 72 inch extra. I've still got the 72 inch extra, which I love. I think it's a great plane. But the um, then you bought a 108 extra. Didn't you the new the newer version of the extra which I've got one and and tell yep. everybody how many flights did you get out of that plane? I didn't get many, Andrew. That was yeah. That I think it was that two. The second flight two. And why did it? Why did it? Why did you bin it? What happened? Well, we... <laughs> I reckon there was a radio failure. No, don't give I me mean. that. No, 
<laughs> oh, let me let me tell you how the conversation I hope, was. I hope, to, I hope to say it, but I'm pretty sure I had a radio <laughs> no, no, I will. I will tell you. This is word for word how the conversation went when you rang me. I go, oh, yeah. you know, right now, what's happening? He goes, oh, well, stack me brain, <laughs> and I've gone. Oh. And as you would say, what did, what have you done? I've gone, and then you said, oh, forgot to fill it up. You forgot to put petrol in the plane between flights no, and you ran out no, of petrol and there was a bit of a stiff no, breeze blowing and then you binned it. No, you, you landed short no, and you binned it. Wrong plane. Wrong plane. That's the LX. <laughs> you got it wrong. Did you stack that one as well? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you, that was that second flight as well? No, no. It had hundreds of flights on it. Don't give me that. You stacked the... Well, that one I wait. It was the same. There were only like three of them ever in the country. Until yeah. some, it flew, bloke. it flew really well. The two flights that I had, with I've had one great. flight. Mine, I've got to do some more on mine. But um, I had one. <laughs> you had one, and Marty Morgan had one. And yeah. um, and you and I had the blue, white, and red scheme. If anybody wants to look them up online, it's the three D Hobby Shop one hundred eight extra, which was the, it was the two seater extra, wasn't it? it? Was it wasn't the single seater? I don't think. What was that? Yeah, three thirty LT. Yeah, LT. Mm. That's the one. Beautiful looking scheme. Um, and don't forget to keep the spare parts for me, Rutnut, because um, I'm the only other person who's got one in that scheme. So I've still got the stabs and the wings. Oh, and keep it all. still some parts there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I might need them at some point in time. So you, you're you a bit of a 3D hobby shop fanboy and you're in love with Joe Smith and you and you were one of the other, person, you know, one of the group of people that bought a 3D hobby shop plane hoping that you could fly like Joe Smith. And could you fly like Joe Smith? That is the thing, the, the question. Did you Definitely have- not. Why not? <laughs> Well, you know, it's like, you know, the Jace Ducia, you know, it's, you know, these guys are just, you know, they're next level. There's not many people around that, you know, I haven't seen anyone in Australia fly like that. No. Actually, what are your thoughts on that that freestyle movement? I know that you've dabbled in it, especially at at IMAC level, Um, but we don't see here in Australia a great following for freestyle aerobatics like we're seeing in some other areas. Okay, in, in anywhere around the world, it's not a big movement. Um, you know, of course, probably, you know, scale and warbirds and like that, there's, you know, more people doing that. There's probably more people in Australia getting involved in turbine flying, jets and stuff like that than there is in um, that freestyle aerobatics. And I think part of it is that you have to be very, very committed to it to, to get the skill level up. And yep. what we yep. find is that, the people like the the Marius Baumgartners, the um, Brad Worms, the Riley Sills, you know, the Tim McDonalds of the world, they started when they were quite young, um, and yeah. you know got on that sim every night. Like Brad and I get on the sim together, and he's probably on the sim three to four times a week at a minimum, at yeah. least. Like that true dedication to just improving the skills, and they they build up a great foundation in their sort of teen years that holds them holds yeah. them good, and then. You couple with that, some of these guys have got a natural talent. Like Ido Segev, when I interviewed his brother, you know, Ido had yeah. a natural talent for it, but then he put, he committed the time to it as well. So natural talent plus mm. the practice made them a gun. But why do you think that we just don't have that 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 following here in Australia, like you know, you we see in other countries? Oh, I think the US is just a lot bigger, and and there's just a lot more people doing it. And and like at the clubs over there, you've got so many people that we're into the 3D and, and you and you get these younger fellas that come to these clubs and they see these guys, 
you know, like ripping and, and they start doing it and, and they just feed off each other. It's just the amount of people, the sheer amount of people that are actually doing it. In Australia here, it's, I think we've actually got a really good IMAC scene. The IMAC in Australia is, um, is really good. It's, it's, uh, it's, I think we're of a high quality, um, and, well, and yeah. high standard. It's, it's, I think that's where our, our, um, four day is anyway. I agree. Um, I think. Well, I think that the thing that iMac, and we're going to talk a bit more about iMac, but the thing that iMac is, it's like pattern flying, is it's a set sequence that it mm. takes out this challenge of like a freestyle routine where you've got to fly a four-minute freestyle to music, where you've got to create the music, you've got to work out what to fly, practice it, of course, and so on and so forth, right? And it's it's a lot more complex and more involved to be involved in it, whereas iMac is here, fly this, right? And yeah fly this for the next year. Um, and so it, it is easier and, and the same with pattern. And that's what I think why we see that the numbers, but there've been pockets of time in Australia. And I think the biggest thing that you said were, and I a hundred percent agree with is that, you know, people, you'd, you'd go to a flying club and you'd see somebody doing it. And if I don't know what it is, and it's hard to explain why this happens, but with some people, when they see that kind of flying, they say to themselves, that's what I want to do. And um, it generally the recurring theme that I see through interviewing people is that that they saw somebody else and they fell in love with it and said, I want to do that. And then they went down that path. And that's the same for people that fly gliders or control line or warbirds or scalies or whatever, that everyone sort of something, you know, they gravitate towards something that they visually see. And like you said, I don't think there's a lot of people at flying clubs doing that. Yes, we see people flying aerobatics, knife edge passes, rolls, loops, that kind of stuff. But that 3D is sort of a rarity. And I think the other the other consequence of that is, I don't know about your experience at flying clubs, that a lot of clubs really don't like a lot of 3D flying happening at their field. They, I think it's one of those things that because they don't see it very often, they don't understand it, they think that the person is out of control. Now, an example mm. of that is Ido Segev turned up to one of the flying club. I met him through this experience where he turned up to the fly, to the local flying club where I was flying and a member of the time, and he just won the European Extreme Flying Championships. We're talking about one of the best in the world here, and the committee asked him to leave because they thought the way that he was flying was dangerous. Now, that yeah. to me says these people just didn't understand what he was doing, that he was totally and utterly in control. They realized that yeah. later, but by that stage, they said, well, I'm never coming back here again. Um, yeah. But um, I think, though, one of the good things to see this year that's happening with IMAC competition is um, more freestyle events. And, you know, down here in Victoria, we've got two guys, Brad Worm and Riley Sills, um, who are committed now for the year to, to fly the freestyle side of things as well as the IMAC side of things. And even yeah. if there's only two of them, you're still going to run it because it's giving them the opportunity. And that will showcase what they're doing and other people will... Well, actually, the recent Wangaratta iMac event, you had quite a few people flying freestyle, didn't you? Yeah. Well, we had three there. We, we had four. We had four, Josh but had we had... Yeah, we had an incident there with the, uh, the COVID mm -hmm. restrictions from Queensland. But um, uh, so we had three. We had Brad and Riley and Marius. Uh, and, you know, we could have had four, but um, unfortunately we didn't. But, uh, look, it was great. You know, them three guys were just awesome on the weekend. It was 
Yeah. It was and pretty it, cheeky conditions then, as well. Like there was a bit of a breeze blowing, I think, in on one of the days at least. Yeah. But, um, and yeah, I watched um I watched all of them and they're all doing it. And and even like just looking at, at the local guys here, the newcomers, because Marius has sort of been on the scene for a bit of a a, a while now, coming from Canberra, but um the guys in Victoria, Riley and Brad, have just got into it this year, and to see how far they've already come after like two events, and and yeah, no, the commitment great. that they're doing to, to keep on improving. I'm doing, I'm helping Brad out a bit and just critiquing his routine a bit and that kind of thing, and and he's just constantly working on it and wants to get it lower. And Riley's doing the same thing. I saw the 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 the, the, the improvement between the first event and the second event for both of them, and Riley did a really good job. As well, so it's it's just it's just a good thing to see. Now, we're talking about iMac, um, and you said that you turned up to iMac with your little thirty cc, which you can do in basic kind of thing, the basic category. Yep. Um, why did you turn up to an iMac event? Oh, well, we're at a we're at a uh, I was at a somewhere uh, fun fight, and um, I met this guy. Which I'm actually competing against now <laughs> uh, in the advanced class. But uh, I met this guy, Adam Gouldy, and he was uh, flying. Uh, we were doing some 3D stuff. I had my 30cc MX2 there, and he he had an extreme flight. And um, uh, he he was actually he started doing some uh, precision aerobatics, and I really liked it. I was like, oh, this looks great, you know. And I'd seen the guys at the club do it, you know, they were doing the pattern, and I. Went up to him and had a had a yarn with him about it, and um, he said it was iMac, and I was like, "What?" And he's uh, explained the whole iMac thing to him, and and the freestyle, and I was like, "Oh, really?" And I was I was just like, "Wow, I've got to go and check this out." So he gave me, um, well, he told me who to contact and uh, ASA ASAA uh, guys and the website to go on, and there was contact details on there. Um, which is scalearrows.com.au if anyone wants to know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, all the contact details are on there though to contact your local state rep. And uh, for me, it was Scott Bardney. I give Scott a ring and yeah. And my first event was um, yeah, Kutamundra. So it was great though. I was hooked. I was just that one and we had a great time. And, and yeah. when did you start? Like how many years have you been doing IMAC now? It's at least five oh, or six years. It has to be. I reckon be more. Well, I don't know. I I went. I did go RC car racing when I hit intermediate. I'd done a year of intermediate and then decided, you know, these guys would just want me to go race with them. So I had to just go racing for a while. And uh, so I did take a bit of time off there. But um, that's right. It, look, it, it yeah, it's definitely been a while. It's probably been eight years, something like that. Seven, seven, eight God, years. I'll tell you what, time flies because. I remember when you said you're going RC car racing and I gave you heaps and, you know, I said, what, the beer's not good enough at the iMac events. You don't get enough of it. And and uh, so you had to go RC car driving, which, yeah, I gave you – and then you became president of the RC car club and, and I asked you how that happened and you said you don't know. You're probably drunk when they vote. <laughs> and, 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 but the one thing it shows you is that, like, you commit to something and you go hell for leather. And uh, yeah. you know, and so you've got – but what was interesting is we had this chat oh, – I don't know, we talk all the time, but anyway, I we had this chat <laughs> recently, relatively recently, I reckon, and you were telling me how much you love flying iMac and how addictive it is. Like the passion oh, yeah. that you have for flying iMac has not yeah. waned at all. Like it's actually getting no. stronger and stronger. You know, oh, why yeah. Why is it the case? Definitely. Um. I actually prefer it more now than freestyle because I'm getting to the higher classes and 
and it's more challenging and it's more enjoyable. Um, I've, I've been flying the unlimited a lot, you know, practicing the, the next class up and I've actually practiced uh, the inv some invitational sequences as well. And they are just full on, you know, to get one of them looking good is going to take a lot. And um, yeah, it's when you actually do get the unlimited looking, you know, fairly reasonable, it's, I don't know. It's a it's it's a big sense of achievement, you know. It's 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 great, and and the roller, you know, doing the rollers, the different rollers, and I always try and do you know mix it up and try different rollers, and it, you know, all that stuff is it's yeah really hitting it for me at the moment. Well, I think it's, it's that it's great. I think you're that kind of person that likes that what I call the attainment of skill that you you like yeah, progressing yeah. and challenging yourself, and you know I don't know about you, but I like all, all. I love going to a flying field and seeing all sorts of different planes fly. A warbird, a jet, mm. a glider, you name it. Doesn't necessarily mean that I want to buy a warbird because yeah. one of my challenges is that I get bored really easily. And I've talked about this on the podcast a fair bit, but I get bored really easily. And that's why when I fly aerobatics, it gives me something. I'm always learning something. I'm always trying to perfect the four point roll. You know, I'm trying to learn a new maneuver to add into my repertoire to, you know, when I enter a flat, flat spin that I want it to be smoother. And when I exit the flat spin, I want it to be seamless. You know, so there's, it's almost like I'm never going to end up learning with aerobatics. And I think you're sort of similar. And especially with iMac that you probably get to the point where you'll master a sequence and then the next year comes along and it's a new one. You've got to learn, you know, you start again. So, but that, that, mm. that, yeah, that, that commitment that you have is sort of, of massive, which led you to something. I don't know how this happened, right now, but you're currently vice president of uh, the Scale Aeros Association, aren't you? The, the body that looks after IMAC here <laughs> in Australia. Yeah, yeah. Now, was that a case of uh, they said, okay, let's now, you know, vote for the vice president. Everybody put their hands up and you were no, drunk with no. a steak sandwich in your hand and went, what? <laughs> and then they said, great, no. Chris Rudder is now vice president. But how did that come about? Uh, they needed an extra guy, and um, and I, I said, look, I'll do it if you've got no one else. And um, and yeah, they they really wanted me on there. Well, that's what I got told. But they might not have. I don't know. <laughs> but um, no, I, I look. I talked to um, Jordan. Jordan wanted me on there, and and um, Jordan Kendall and uh, Michael Andrusik. He said, yeah, no, that'd be good if you come on. It'd be great. So yeah, look, it's been it's been. Um, it's been uh, a little bit full on, you know. It's definitely, um, you know, you see another side to the side of iMac, but I tell you what, it hasn't. Um, it definitely hasn't turned me away from um, from iMac. We want to, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff we want to do, and there's a lot of commitment to being on the committee. And um, yeah, just don't half a lot of people realise that, you know. It's, nah, we yeah. are committees. Yep. I've been involved in committees before, and yep. people just underestimate how much work is involved in that and they people are so quick to pick on committees as if they're all yeah, stupid yeah. but i think one of the challenges is that a lot of the people that are uh, sitting there and knocking committees or watching from afar don't actually yeah. they simplify everything in their minds and as you know most of the decisions that you make aren't just black and white decisions otherwise they'd just be made really quickly yeah. and 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 often those those kind of decisions are really you know, not very important kind of things, but when it comes to an important decision that needs to be made, a committee has yeah. to discuss it, research, and to make sure that you make the right choice. 
And I often think that I see this in clubs, you know, my local club, there's a little faction that, you know, I think that the committee are hopeless, but how would they know? Um, And I think sometimes committees aren't good at sharing the the process and and, and communicating with the members. But uh, I think like from where I sit, um, you know, there's been some really good people involved with, with, with the IMAX scene here in Australia. They've done some really good work and, and I don't want to take anything away from them, but the current crop under Michael Andrusik's leadership and yourself and a few of the others, it's almost like there's been a resurgence in IMAC in certain states. Like Victoria was dead. Victoria had yeah. at one point in time, go back only maybe even three years ago, there were three people yeah. that I knew of that flew IMAC in Victoria consistently, at least like yeah. three. Now, how many were Wangaratta? Victorians were probably uh, like 15 or so. Uh, look, our New South Wales comps would be, you know, they'd be dead without the, the Victorians coming up. Like, if it wasn't for them, we'd, uh, well, we probably would just have enough to run a comp if everyone turned up. But um, it's been, look, the Victorians coming up to our comps are great and we go down to theirs and it definitely makes for some uh, some big comps. It's uh, it's it's great. Well, you, it's really good. Because you live out in the middle of nowhere, pretty much. Yeah. Um, you have to travel long distances to get to comps, don't you? Well, it's actually not too bad because I'm, I'm kind of in the middle. So I'm actually I'm about seven hours from Queensland competitions, which is Dolby and Toowoomba, and I'm about seven hours from um, some of the uh, New South Wales comps, which is, you know, Cootamundra and Yender, and um, I'm a bit closer to Parks. Parks is only four hours for me, so it's not too bad. It's probably my closest comp. Um but I'm trying to get some IMAC going around in this area, like yeah, the the, um, the uh, mid north coast area, and hopefully we'll um, we'll see some more comps around um, yeah, this northern New South Wales. I tell you what's um, funny, if anybody's listening to this from overseas, which they do, and they hear that yeah. you make it sound like oh, it's just up the road, it's seven hours drive. If you drove seven hours in Europe, you'd be in Russia or something. You'd be you would have crossed five borders, right? But yeah. you know, here in Australia, everyone, well, we're used to driving those kind of distances, and I don't mind doing that. I love the road trip. I love the solo road trip where it's just me and a, and a radio, and just hitting the road with a ton of trailer with a plane in the back. It's like oh, I'm doing it this yeah. well. As we record this, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm a few days time. <laughs> I'm doing it to go to the jet event, but because uh, I'm a week ahead. Yeah. But um. But yeah, I look forward to that kind of stuff. Now, but you were saying how you're trying to foster, um, you know, some more iMac in your region, and I think you're doing the right thing. Like uh, Michael Andrusik really built iMac down here in Victoria by running Come Try Day. It literally was as simple as yes. let's put on a Come Try Day and let people experience it. And they happened to go to the um, the club that I'm a member of, the Pakenham Club uh, down here, which is a big club, you know, 170 members. I think it's one of the biggest clubs in, in the country. And of course, if you run a come try there, you're going to automatically get higher numbers than normal because of the sheer volume of members that are there. And that's why yep. we're seeing, you know, Stevie Melkman and Ash and Aunt Sicily and, and uh, you know, Simon Ventvogel and Rob Barbuto and all, all these guys coming into IMAX just from this one club. But it was all on the back of Michael running a come try day. And, yeah. and you know, but, well... <laughs> Actually, what you need is someone that's proactive enough to want to do it. And that's what I'm seeing with you and Michael, that your activity now in that New South Wales region, the, you're going to have the Warrior Elder event, but I think that just got cancelled due to the yeah, water up there and all issues that. There. Yeah, we had some, we've had some issues, but we'll, we'll run it. We're definitely going to uh, get, it, get it running in 
in a month or so, probably a couple of months, and um, yeah, we'll get it running. Hopefully, we'll get a few more entries. Well, you know what I always say is that I always say to people, don't be fussed about the numbers because the numbers will come. If you don't put the event on, which they used to cancel IMAC events because, you know, in in Victoria because there were only three people or something entered. And I used to say, no, go and run it because the three will end up being four. If they don't have an opportunity to compete, then they're going to fall by the wayside as well. So you better, it's like the freestyle competition. Even if there's one person, run it. Because at least that one person will encourage other people potentially. Other people will see and go, look, I should give that a go. You know, he's he's having a crack at it. I'll go and join him. And before you know it, this yeah. movement kind of starts. But you've got to put the events on. You've got to have those come try days so that people can experience it and see it. Uh, and and yeah. so that's why I think, you know, I've seen you being more active on Facebook and stuff like that to promote it. So I, I actually, even though I, I joke around with you a lot, I actually honestly believe you're doing a good job. Which surprised well, me to you. say that because I remember you <laughs> rang me when you became vice president and said, I might need your help. <laughs> and that was because I don't drink as much as you, so my head's probably clearer in, in decision-making than you. But, uh, no, look, we're, we're pretty good. I've, I've got a few other people to bounce off, Andrew, so it's, it's fine. <laughs> but it seems like that the committee, uh, uh, again, this is just looking from afar, I'm not even a member, but it seems like the committee yeah. sort of are pretty much united in the approach. Would be correct I think we're I think we're a good committee. Yeah, we're all in the same wavelength, and uh, yeah, I, I think we'll make some stuff happen in the future. It's been a rough, rough last couple of years. You know, last year was awful for us. It, yeah. You know, there was, we had to cancel events left, right, and center. It was terrible. Um, so we we got money thrown in the deep end there, but he's coming into COVID anyway. But we got the thing is, well, from a financial perspective, it didn't really make a difference because you know big deal no um but yeah. but yeah it was everybody was in the same boat so but uh, in a way i think that what it made people it made people hungry to get back into it when they could yeah and uh because yeah. a lot of us couldn't fly you know if you were down in victoria we were locked down for months and nobody could yeah. get to the flying field so there was no practice happening i was on the sim a bit but um yeah. no flying so it was sort of like everybody's had a break for a year i think the biggest pity with a lot of the covid situation is the cancellation of some of those big like world championship events and stuff like that, which is a, a part that, you know, it, uh, those big competitions play a part in, uh, you know, fostering a different level of skill. They give a lot of people something to aspire to and work towards. And when that gets taken away from them, then it's a bit deflating and, and everything gets sort of pushed back and postponed. And current, currently it's like it, we're still in limbo overseas as far as whether we can run any of these kind of world championship kind of events. But I'll tell you what, we're pretty lucky to live in Australia, aren't we, with this COVID situation? Yeah. I, I was, oh, yeah. I was yeah. thinking about it today. We don't have to wear masks down here anymore. Like there's zero cases, very many yeah. cases in the entire country. Like how, how you know, I've got a friend of mine who lives in the UK and she's she's struggling. She lives by herself. She's been locked down in the house for three three months and it's just going crazy, absolutely crazy. Which, mm. Yeah, we don't have that. No, so. we are. We're very lucky to live here in Australia. It's a great country. And you know what? But you're lucky you can get out there and fly out the back of Ratna Farm. Just <laughs> got to move the marijuana out the crop. Oh, did I mention the marijuana crop? Remember you told oh, me shit. one day you want to start growing um, medicinal uh, cannabis? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I reckon it'd be good. I think you should. A <laughs> lot, of, lot of work to do that, though. I'm, not, I'm actually not that keen. <laughs> yeah, you don't like work, do you? Well... Uh, well 
Not when it interferes with my flying. Well, look, <laughs> 90% of our chats happen whilst you're sitting on a tractor going up and down. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think when you get bought, Marty Morgan started doing it as well. Marty Morgan, yeah. you know, when he's on an excavator or something, he rings me. I go, what are you doing? I'm just driving up and down. But um, now, so yeah, let's talk about, let's talk planes. We haven't talked planes yet, right? So what planes right. have you currently got in your fleet? And you know what I also like about your fleet? It's never this massive fleet of 400 planes because I think just think anybody that's got massive amounts of planes, I just I just don't understand. Well, that's just me. Yeah. Good uh, luck if you float your boat, but I just yeah. don't get it. It's just It just looks like too hard work for me. But what, what, <laughs> how many models have you currently got? Uh, oh, I've got a few. Uh, the main ones that I'm flying is is um, I've got this little one that I've been loving. It's a little um, it's a little foamy uh, fun cub. It's a multiplex fun cub, and serious? I love flying it. It's oh, it's great. It's I call it Casper because it's just white. I yeah. didn't put any stickers on it, so it's it's great. It's a it's a ton of fun. I was at uh, we we went to Warrior for a bit of a um, bit of a weekend. Not so long ago, me and a few mates, and uh, they they said to me, "I oh, do loop touch and goes." I was like, "Oh yeah, loop touch and goes. All right, let's do that." <laughs> well, it didn't end very good. Yeah, Casper got Casper got snapped in half. <laughs> Did he glue it back but together again? Casper's all glued back together again, ready to go. <laughs> See, and oh, yeah. again, how many beers did you had when you started doing loop touch and goes? Um. I don't know if I should answer this question. Generally, your average is eight. So I know that once you get to eight, because what do I call you? Am I, 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 I couldn't incriminate me, so I probably shouldn't answer Yeah, you had plenty, because as I call you, you're an alcoholic. Um, the, okay, I, I, I asked you a question about your hangar, and most people start with the best planes first, and you've gone to yeah. a foamy, so obviously you have yeah. had a few beers. What, what else have you got besides Casper the foamy? Uh, well, my iMac plane is the Extreme Flight, uh, 100 cc, uh, 100 cc, no, 125 inch, um, 200 cc, I should say, the DA200 in it. It's, yeah, oh, gee. It's great. It, yeah, it's been great. Full of JR equipment, and um, with tw- I'm running the 12 volt system on it, so it's oh, are you? It's uh, so, yeah, 70 kilo servos, so there's plenty of power there, plenty of, plenty of power for the for the uh, wings. I'm only running two surveys in each wing, so and it's quite a big wing. And um, yeah, look, it's great. There's heaps strong. So that's yeah, so that's a, it. and and then so that's yeah. So that's your main iMac plane. What else? Because you well, you just recently sold the plane, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I sold my slick, but I'm thinking I might actually end up doing some 3D with that plane. I'll put a DLE triple two in that, and I've got another um, plane that I'm building up, which is. Um, I bought it off Lynn Wayne in uh, Queensland. It's a JTEC MX2. Oh, so yeah. I want to finish that off. Uh, and, and the 200 will end up going in that. And that'll be my iMac plane. But I've just been getting gear together for uh, to build the wings because they're, they're going to be a foam okay. core wings. So I've got to build the wings up. And there's yeah. a fair bit to do on that still. But I've, And I've still got the great Edo plane. It's still sitting this, here as well. Well, so which we call it the Sega. Uh, the Sega. So you bought Edo Sol had a Krill Extra SC three hundred and thirty SC, yes. and he wanted to sell it, and you ended up buying it. And, I did. 
What was that experience like buying the great man's plane? It was great. Look, to this, I went down there. We went out for dinner, and you know, to 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 spend the night there and talk to Edo. You know, it was it was great, and you know, he, he put me up for the night, which was which was great. And um, uh, how yeah, many things we, like was talk- he grabbing things off the shelf, going, "Oh, here, you need this as well," and here's something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see. I see, um, I knew he had them awesome t-shirts, and I said to him, "I said, oh." I wouldn't be able to get one of them T-shirts without, would I? And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. What size are you? What size?" And he's, and I was like, "XL." And he's like, "Oh yes, I have one for you. Yeah. Here you go." And I was like, "Oh wow." I know. Well, and that's and so we love that plane. And that's that. Like now, we you can't get rid of that plane. That's just oh, look the paint. The paintwork on that plane is is just next level. I don't I don't really? know who painted it or. Yeah, it's out of the factory. Done, but it was out of the factory. It was Edo's no, scheme that they did in the factory. Oh no, yeah, well, I haven't seen a crew. Wait a second, hey. that plane may not. What happened with that plane was, I think yeah, that got was a, got... a forklift went through it at the at when Telemarine Airport down here in Melbourne. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. The forklift went through it, and then he gave it to another guy down here in Melbourne, who yeah. fixed the thing. So he may have painted. Yeah. It. And it was an it was a NASCAR guy, and they painted it, and it's and it's the paintwork is just phenomenal on it. It's, yeah, it's really good. It's not I, I haven't seen a cruel, you know, this kind of paintwork on it. It's it's impressive. <laughs> yeah, so you've still got that, but you, that you don't have a motor in that, have you? That's that's not flying. No, no, I've been debating what to put in it. Actually, I was thinking about one of these new two fifteens because that'll bolt straight in it. The yeah. DA two fifteen, it it'd be a great motor for it, I reckon. Yeah. Um, or, or go a quad, but um, I'd have to cut the firewall back for that. So, oh, yeah, yeah look, I'm not sure what, what I'm going to do with that yet. It's, it's definitely going to fly again, though, and it'll be sooner rather than later now. I've, yeah. You've owned a few krills over the time, haven't anyway. you? Composite planes. You've had a few yeah, krills. Yeah, look, I bought the LX off Ludo. It was a beautiful plane, the LX. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the, I can't um, keep up with it. It's great for iMac and, and Pattern. So the, the smaller elevators and that. You've moved to like balsa planes from composite. What do you find the difference between the two? And it seems to be a big movement back to balsa from composites in iMac. And what are the what are the differences that you see? Um, oh look, the composites definitely got more longevity. Uh, but the the um, and they, and they, look, the composites are getting lighter. Um. I went for the new extreme flight because of uh, its new construction with the carbon fiber, and and I and it's quite a big plane and it's and it's uh, coming very light. It's it's well not it's not extremely light, but for the size of it, it's light and it's you know it's it's under it's pretty much under twenty kilo with a, with a quad in it and um, it just flies so light on the wing. It's really nice. Yeah. It's, it's a great plane. No, the yeah. um, I was talking to a friend just before we. Uh... We got on and he just made into his 91-inch extreme flight laser and he said, it's just next level. He said, "Yeah." He said it's just, and I said, look, there is no level above extreme flight really when it comes to balsa planes. So I said, you are flying the dust guts. But the only problem we've got the late, like the laser apparently everybody says it's just a, it's an awesome model. But yeah. you know, my only concern is every man and his dog's got one now. Like it's just everybody seems to be buying oh, buying the laser, and and I like them, and I don't. I'd love to own one, but sometimes I like to see something a bit different. 
but obviously they fly really. I just want to fly one to see what all the fuss is about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Edo loved it. You know, he flew a ninety-one, and um, uh, you know, he said yeah. um, that this is phenomenal. It's one of the best models as he's flown. And he, when I was in China last time in two thousand nineteen, you know, Martin Brandmuller and Sasha Jaconi, I think Sasha Jaconi went and bought one, hundred uh, cc with a yeah. DLE one thirty in it, and they. They both just said this plane is just crazy. It's just he says like a foamy, with that with that power too. Yeah. They just said it's so much fun. So, and it's beautiful inside. The the, the build quality of them is just uh, is phenomenal. And putting them together is oh. great. So you can see why, you know, why people love flying them. But um, yeah, the whole IMAC thing for me, one of my challenges is the time commitment to you know turn up, travel there, turn up for the two day events, you know. Outside of the flying, what do you love about the IMAC comps? Uh, just the uh, camaraderie and the friendship. Like, it's it's really good. We've got a bunch of us that um, we're a good crew and um, you, you can joke around and, you know, and we, we all take the piss out of each other and have a few beers and it's a good it's a good turnout. Listen to him. <laughs> Have a few beers. Well, why is it that you, not you, while we're flying? Not while we're flying. Not while you're flying, but <laughs> generally it goes like this: your flying is really good on the first day on the Saturday. It's great. You're doing really, really well. Then you get it's on. It's actually the, not. I get no, no. I get better as the comp goes on. Don't give me that. You get on the sauce on the Saturday night, and you drink everybody on <laughs> no, the table, and then you no, come out the next Friday day. Night. Oh, no, you're wrong. It's a Friday night. Because <laughs> I got to drive home on Sunday. So, <laughs> so you got, you got to give it a day to get it out of your system, so you can drive home. <laughs> right, no, nah, look, it's look, what I like about it is is we can joke around, and but as soon as we step out on that flight line, it's on. You know, it's we're, we're there to compete, and it's um, but yeah, it, and that's what's good about it. You can you can you can come back in, and you can joke about it. You know, and, it, and that's what I like about it. So, what you're yeah. saying is, when when it comes to iMac. I think we've seen this. We've known people that have taken it really seriously, but yeah, they yeah. never last in in iMac. And often yeah. that seriousness, I always say that people that are really, really into the hobby where it's such an important thing in their life and they yeah. put it on a pedestal in their life that they become really critical of, of the hobby and what happens because it's just got so much focus on it and everything becomes yeah, yeah. really, really overly important, as I'd like to say. And we've seen people burn yeah. out. You know, what do you think? You know, what would be your tip to people getting into into iMac? Oh, look, there's, there's a there's a level you can look. I, I try and practice as much as I I can. I really I really enjoy the practice, and I I definitely want to um, do well when I go to the competitions. But only for myself. Like I just. I don't want to. I don't want to fly crappy. I want to be able to fly uh, at a certain level that I'm happy with. And I, I, if you know, if if you can get people on that same um, wavelength, you know, to to try and better themselves is 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 the way to do it. I think. And 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 focus on um, what you've got to do throughout the competition, and not worry about you know what he's doing or his score or you know you just got to work on what you're doing and your mistakes and. And um and and just try and fly your best and correct correct them you know as you go. It's yeah, it's, man. Yeah. I, I've talk, I, try try and talk to the judges too. Like the judges, um, if you know who's judging, yeah, you, know, you can go up and have it have a yarn with them and just ask them how you're doing and um 
Like I'm more than happy if I've got a judge, if someone comes up to me after the after the uh, flight and um, want to know how how they went, I'll tell them. Like you, you got to be able to do that, you know, and let them know what's going on. So. I've, I've underestimated you. you know, I've always, you know, had a bit of a crack at you and <laughs> correct your English and all that kind of stuff. But gee, you're making a lot of sense today. I think that you're actually you work better on a few beers. You know, I think you're probably at least four in for the day, and I think that that's it makes you smarter. Well, you've actually one day, one day you tried to convince me that drinking beer was good for you. It is. It's, it's a carbohydrate. <laughs> Okay, I just, no I take it. It's not like a lolly. It's not. There's no sugar in beer. It's a carbohydrate. Okay. I take that all back. What I said about you being smarter than I thought, because um, <laughs> you now just brought it all undone. Oh dear. Yeah, with your involvement with uh, ASA being on the um, on the committee, what is what is your focus? What what do you hope to achieve during your time at the top or close to the top? Uh, well, look, my goal is, is like I said, is to try and concentrate on um, on uh, this area, uh, might like around the north northern New South Wales, and try and get some some more uh, IMAC going in this area. Um, look, it's probably a little bit self motivated, so I don't have to drive as far to the competitions. Well, look, it, I've been I have been doing a lot of travelling. You know, like it, it's there is a a lot of kilometres, you know, each each year that I like. But look, oh, I love it. I don't mind doing the Ks, but look, it would be more, it it'd definitely be good to uh, get some more people involved in it and uh, have some closer comps around this area. And um, and because yeah, we've we've actually got a fair few people that are keen uh, around this area. Uh, it's just getting some fields organised. We've just got Warrior Elder a new instrument, so. Uh, it's it's looks like look, we've got a two thousand foot um, ceiling for that now. Um, well, it's a thousand with two thousand uh, no team. So it's look, it's it, you know, and uh, we're trying to get Gunnedah back online. We've got a spot there, but um, it's um, we it's not all finalised yet. So it's um, it's it's still a while, while off. But um, and it? unfortunately, the state the state field um, the new state field that was going to go ahead down at uh, down at Broke, I think, or somewhere around that area down there, isn't going to go ahead now, unfortunately. And I was hoping that would would go ahead because that would have been a really good spot down there. Like that's yeah. only a couple of hours down the down the road for me, and you know that's a, that's three possible spots for competitions within you know four hours. Well, that's, so it's, it's, it's not bad. It's not a bad thing though. Some people could sit there and say that it's selfish, but it's not because what you're addressing is this this gap in like Australia is a massive country. And there's a gap. Oh, like, yeah, that yeah. We see IMAC events. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is a lot of IMAC events aren't centred around, you know, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane area. They're generally out in country yeah. areas because you can get the space, et cetera, whatever. But filling in yeah. that gap, like you said, that if if you're travelling seven hours to get to an event, there's probably someone else travelling yeah. six or eight or five. You know, five hours. Exactly. Big, exactly. It's a big weekend away, really, five-hour drive. Um, you yeah. know, that yeah. building up a community in that region is actually a yeah. great way of, um, you know, filling that gap. And actually, here's a question. Well, I just thought of this now. You've grown up in the country, um, yeah. as people can tell by how slow you talk. But the, <laughs> the, the do you think that 
country people versus or growing up in the country versus growing up in the city, do you think that country people are looking for something to do, some activity to do, and so that, you know, we see people going to the footy club or the bowls club or the flying club. Do you think that, that there is this need in country country areas like where you're at to have activities for people to get involved in? More so yeah, than, say, a, a, than the city? Look, um, we are lucky out in the country with, with regard to model aircraft clubs. We don't seem to have the problems with, uh, with um, you know, noise and um, like what you are talking about before about 3D. You know, guys flying 3D at clubs, like, they love it here around this area. Like, you fly 3D here and they're like, oh, wow, man, can, can you do that? We'll get some of the uh, – so the town people come up and watch, you know. They love it. It's, it's, uh, it, it's great. It's. I, I haven't experienced uh, what what you guys have gone through down down in the city areas. So well, I've I've been lucky, I guess. In that, I in actually that. I, I quite proudly say that. For me, what I love the most is going to out getting out of Melbourne and going to a country club and yep. go for a fly. If I want to have a good day out, the best day out that I can have flying, it's not going to my local yep. club. Well, and that's nothing against my local club, but there's 170 members. That's 170 personalities, and not all of them are great yeah. personalities. Some of them, you know, might be oddballs. Um, which okay, you can stick clear of them. But I was I was thinking about this the other day. Sometimes flying events at my local club. It's like every weekend's a flying event because there's that many people there, and which is good and, and a good bunch of people, and I enjoy it there. And you know, uh, you know, it's my local flying field in a kind of way. But if I want to have a great yep. day out, I'll get in the car and drive to Ararat, to Sale, to Bairnsdale, to Echuca, to Shepparton or something like that and yep. make a day of it. In, and it's just, I've, I've got a holiday house, or as you like to refer to it, my holiday house. I go up holiday to the holiday house, house yeah. and you know what it's like getting out of Melbourne, getting out of a city area, then hitting that countryside and life just slows down and it's just so much more enjoyable for me. And, so, and you go to these country clubs and they're always happy to see a visitor. Whereas here yeah. in any, any city club, it's like, who's that? Did they sign the visitor's book? Did anybody yeah. show them around what the rules and regs are here? Whereas, you know, I'd go up to a Chuka and the president would just come out and say g'day. And, you know, someone else would come out and just say, Oh, Andrew, I heard you're, you're in town. I thought I'd drop in and say g'day. It's like, yeah, man, that's just, you feel so well. When, when I go out to the sale club down here in Gippsland way in Victoria, it's like they're like, thank you, thank you for coming. Just enjoy, come back whenever you want. You know, we'd love to see you here, yeah. kind of thing. Whereas, you know, you go to any club in the city and it's like angst and it's like, oh, you got to be on your best behaviour because someone's watching you and you know, and if they don't like the way you fly, there's always going to be someone that's going to come in and have a crack at you and oh, it's just yeah, you know, and there'll yeah. be fights within the club, making, and, too, making too much noise. Oh. <laughs> have you got metal f- safety fence barriers at your local field? No. Oh, we've got metal one. We had one metal one put in that created a, a rift in the club about Faraday cage, you know, RF interference because of a, of a, of a fence. And they conducted all these tests and they found nothing. Like there was nothing. They couldn't They couldn't <laughs> induce a plane to fall out of the sky. They were kneeling down on the fence behind a metal a metal barrier kind of thing and, they, and it still didn't have any problems with it staying connected to the plane. And <laughs> so, oh, this is the things that we're worrying about here in the city. This, you know... People think that there's clubs falling apart. I'm like, what? The runway's all right. It's got grass on it. Well, what are you worried about? But um, I'll tell you what. I've said this many times. When I win the lotto, I'm moving to the country and I'm going to have my own strip. 
and I'm going to invite yeah. you to come down because you never invite me to come up to Rutnut Farm. You don't want me near the place. <laughs> uh, I was you'd just come. ride all my motorbikes and do donuts with them and bloody flog them. That's what you'll do. Well, you know I'm a dirt bike rider, not a good one. I still haven't been on the bike since I dislocated my shoulder. But um, I'm getting my, oh, motor- I'm getting my bike lowered because my, my legs, are- something Ma- happened, my legs got shorter or something and I can't touch the ground. So uh... Maybe you should go and fly your model aeroplanes instead of worrying about oh, your motorbike. You know what I'm like? I, t- I just told you earlier that I get bored easily. And as, uh, as this psychologist once said to me, I know why you like things like car racing and motorbikes. It's because the activity actually catches up with your mind because my mind goes really quickly. I went, yeah, I'm really relaxed when I'm doing those kind of things. Just not a care in the world. And then I fall off and then I've got yeah. every care in the world. But uh, but no, this is what we do. And now, speaking of other activities, you're an FPV drone guy as well. Oh, man, if there was anything to tear me away from iMac, it'd be FPV. Well, it's- there was a time yeah. period there that you thought you were going to be a drone gun, and I gave you heaps of thoughts <laughs> about that. But it was interesting. Tell, tell everybody the story that you told me this morning about what you're doing with your drone. Oh, look, at the moment we've got some flowers in, so I've, I've been having to chase the, the cockatoos off the uh, off the sunflowers because they like to eat all the sunflowers, and there's a lot of them. There's a lot of cockatoos, and, oh, man, they do some damage real quick, so... The drone uh, goes out about six o'clock. I'll put it at six thirty in the morning, and uh, every pretty much every ten minutes, every fifteen minutes, um, uh, I've got to do a run around the around the paddock with it. So <laughs> this it's, is great. It's full on for it's full on for about two hours. Well, yeah. If, so when when Papa Rutnut, your dad, says to you, uh, Chris, what are you doing? You're playing again. <laughs> And you go, no, I'm working. But you yeah. said to me that they fly off into the tree and then you go and buzz the tree and that, that gets, them go, it gets them away. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can actually round them up. So you can um, – they try and head to my place because I'm actually close to the, the crop. So they try and head to the trees around my place and so it's an easy easy way back for them. But I've been steering them to my neighbour's paddock. <laughs> so I just, I just hunt them all over that way and it's – it's a lot further for him to go to the trees, so it takes a lot longer to come back. So yeah, I'll tell you what. Do you know that yeah. this is like a public thing that people will be able to listen to it? So your neighbour oh. will find this out. <laughs> they have to model aeroplanes. Well, my other neighbour he told me that he hunted them all down this way, and I was Let's like, see. "Oh no!" Just what? everybody's moving them on. So, so yeah. how many? So how, how long? How long are you getting out of a, a pack in your drone? Uh, uh, when I when I do that, I probably only get about five minutes. Um, but like when I tear around the, the place, I probably only get about uh, two minutes, if that. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. They draw it so quick. Like they'll if you've got a high speed drone, like a, a full race drone, it it'll it'll pull the power out real quick. Have you seen the um, you know, DJI? Pull... You seen the DJI drone? The racing one? The yeah. Yeah, I don't know how quick they'd be. They'd probably, look, I bet you the image would be unreal because the digital. The but the digital flight footage, time right um, now, you can get up to 20 minutes. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, that'd be pretty Long good. Long range. It'd be pretty good. It, w- it would be pretty good for uh, just to cruise around, I suppose. To get it'd rid probably of the be birds. Good for, yeah, it'd be really good for that. <laughs> it wouldn't be as fast as my uh, my full-on race drones, though. They're pretty quick. Probably not. Probably not. So we've covered ground. We've got RC cars, drones now, and of course uh, the aerobatic thing. 
what yep. what are your future plans like what do you see yourself where do you see yourself in 10 years in the hobby same thing just getting better or what yeah yeah i mac i'll i'll keep i'll keep um i want to take a year off i do want to actually do a bit of fpv racing i haven't done that yet and it is something that i really want to do so in the future that is i've been eyeing off uh newcastle newcastle guys do some fpv racing down there so I definitely want to go do a couple of events with them guys, and and um, and I, I reckon I reckon that'd be fun because I've, I have set up race gates here, and um, you know, carve through the race gates pretty good. So I'd love to um, yeah go give that a go one day. Well, Test my skills on that. <laughs> well, I'm still waiting for this video that you've been threatening for about six, seven years or something now. To, to oh man, but... freestyle, man! I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go into more slow and steady freestyle, I think. Um, yeah, I'm going to stay away from the crazy stuff. Uh, all these young guys, you know, they do it so well and I just know I can't do that. So I'm going to, I'm going to start um, working out a slower freestyle for myself with a three metre. And um, like Marius did an unbelievable freestyle flight at, at Wangaratta. It was it just improvised it. It was just a slow freestyle, and he actually won. He won the day with it. You know, he didn't win the competition, but because it was a three, um, it was a three uh, three, three day comp, yeah. uh, three round comp. Sorry, yeah, and um, he, he only won one of them. But um, yeah, it was look, it looked great, and everyone was just so pumped with it, and it was yeah, it was really good to see. And um, I, it, it it took me to it took me there, and I was like. You know what? That's that's doable for me. I can I can do that. And you know what I uh, always with say: work. with with a freestyle <laughs> routine, what yeah. wins is just nice, neat flying. Precision wins, hands down. Like, oh yeah, and, definitely. Precision. Uh, everyone sometimes tries too hard. They see Jace Ducey and they want to be him, but the thing is, yeah. the commitment that that guy has, and the natural ability, plus the the fostering of that natural ability and all that, you know, like he worked hard at it yeah. to get to that level, and so he is yeah. head and shoulders above everybody else, the average punter. And to think that you oh, can just Jace go out is... and fly like that is just Jace wasn't flying like that ten years ago. He was learning the ropes and, and perfecting it, but he was he was working on his precision. That like the big defining thing about Jace's flying is how precise he is. So I always say to people, especially yeah. in a competition scenario dial it back and do things yeah. really neatly. Like when I've judged freestyle in China, uh, often it's not the person that's the most competent that wins. It's the person that flew the neatest sort of one, the one that was the m most precise. And over there, everybody wants to be Jace. You know, they're doing rifle rolls. Like it was a kid that just did rifle rolls for basically a four-minute freestyle. And he could do yeah. the best rifle rolls you've ever seen in any direction, in any orientation, you name it. The kid could do it. Yeah. And I was talking to the dad. He was only a 12-year-old kid at the time, but he'd been in the scene for a while and really progressing. And his dad said, yeah, I'm not yep. sure why I came second kind of thing. I said, oh. I said, I'll tell you, I'll give you a little tip. All he did was fly fast right, and, and rifle rolls. And so it was just like it was the same old you know, thing. And he said, oh, oh, I thought that's what, what the judges wanted to see. Like they thought that we all wanted to compare everybody to how Jace sort of flies. And even then, Jace doesn't fly flat yeah. out all the time. He's got light and shade no. in his flights as well. But so my tip is always dial it back so that you can do something whilst you're nervous, right? And the, and, and the other thing with freestyle is when you're flying to music, there's a lot of timing involved. So you've got to hit certain markers to the music for it to work. Yeah. And so you're better off keeping it 
more simple and neat than you know yeah. it's like um craig bavery who you like to call bravely because you can't read but craig <laughs> um is a really smooth flyer and yeah. you know they're not overly complex maneuvers but he executes them perfectly and so straight away people go oh he's a great pilot and we go yeah he is yeah. because he can execute those maneuvers as they should be executed and he looks like he's in 100% control. So get him to do a freestyle and it's going to look all right because he's not going to overextend himself and do something stupid. He's going to just fly yeah. what he can really, really well and purposefully, which I think is a, yeah. is a big thing. And, you know, I think that's something that you can practice every time you go to the field. And that's what I, I aim to do is I kick myself when I muck up the last quarter of a four-point roll, you know, because I've got a standard in my head that I want to achieve and that's a really nice, neat flight. And it's just a four-point roll yeah. I might be trying to execute. Not a rifle roll, just a four-point slow roll. Like, actually, I reckon one of the best maneuvers is the slow roll. You know one of those slow rolls that goes across the whole whole strip? Yeah, oh, yeah. I just love them. Daniel Holman used to do really good ones. Yes, yeah, uh, he did. Now, Still now probably. Yeah. Well, well, he's flying full-size a lot, old Dan Holman now. He, did, he didn't need him. Yeah. He sort of got out of the hobby a fair bit. And, um, but he's, you know, it's his career. Uh, now, there's a... We've reached almost the end, and it's the signature move that I've got for every uh, guest. Uh, and yep. that is, question is, what has been your favourite model so far that you've owned? And it's only can be oh. one model. Everybody wants to give me two, but I want one. <laughs> if you say that Fine. multiplex, <laughs> if you say that fun cover, whatever, that's it. It can't oh, be that. Man. <sighs> Well, I'm going to have to say the Extreme Flight 300 125 because of, of um, yeah, just how well it flies. You know, it's it it is really good. I've I've, I've had a lot of um, I've had a good I've had a lot of good success with that plane. It's it's really nice. Yeah, that would that would be my favourite plane. Mm-hmm. Freestyle planes look they're, they're great, but um, uh, you know, I I'd go for the the plane. That, you know that I fly all my precision with because I've I've got it dialed in really good. You know, like there's a lot of trimming that go, gets involved with that plane, and and to get it, you know, flying absolutely spot on, it's yeah, it's it's definitely it'd be my favourite for sure. And to the next one, <laughs> exactly. I, I say the Segev. I, I love that that plane. It's just a big plane, and uh, I, I would have yeah. thought you would have said that, but that's that's sort of now just a memento that sits there, and one day it will fly again, hopefully. But um, yeah, well, no, look, it will. It, and I haven't flown that for a long time, you know. Like, it, it, I flew that back when I was in sportsman and in intermediate. So it, yeah, it definitely, uh, it, it it needs to be flown again. And I will, I will do it one day. Yeah, no rush. It's not going. My on. my only regret is um, not not um, bringing the wing down to um, Victoria and getting a great man to sign it. Oh, it would have been uh, look. And I and I actually. I actually talked to him about it a few times. Uh, I talked to uh, Ida a few times on the phone and um, I said, oh, next time I come down south for an iMac event, I might come and see you and get you to sign this wing. And <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, no worries, my friend, no worries. I will do that for you. <laughs> well, I can sign it for you if you like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've got, when, when Ida and I are in China, they'd, they'd want, you know, at the end of the event, people would want us, you know, us to sign different things, you know, T-shirts and, and sometimes yeah. they'd bring the wings and they'd hand the wing over to me to sign. And I'm like, 
you know, I'm about to wreck another airplane. Oh, my handwriting's terrible. <laughs> Absolutely. So I got into this thing where I'd scribble some sort of thing that pretended to be my name and then I'd draw a stick figure with like this Afro hair on it, you know, kind of thing. And that became my my signature move that you knew it was me because I, I drew this stick figure next to ne- next to my name. And I said, gee, you know, I said, go on, I said, have a look at this. You've written nice and neatly. And then there's like this child has drawn a picture on the side of a plane. But um, so, yeah, I can do that. I'm happy to do that right probably over the canopy. I, I reckon it would be a good place for me to scribble something and draw draw a pilot or something on it. So that'd be perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Ratna, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Like, you know, you're a good bloke. I, you know, I give, I do give you heaps, but you know yeah. it's only for fun. And I, and I, you know, I wanted you on the podcast and you were like, what am I going to talk about? And I, we have filled <laughs> over an hour of banter and we could keep on going as well. And I think uh, oh, no. we've done a pretty good job. So this, I don't think this is going to be the worst podcast we've ever done. So I'll take that back. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, thanks for joining me. No worries, Andrew. Thanks for having me. About to leave. Already packing. Come with me. I'm not really asking. We'll get away to a place where we don't know. Time for me to go. Well, uh, big thank you to Chris Ratter. The Ratnut for joining me on the podcast. Uh, had a bit of fun with him. He's a good guy. Uh, everybody loves Ratnut. You know, if you go to an iMac event and he's there, uh, he'll look after you. And uh, really interesting after having that chat because when I sit down with mates and do this podcast, you get to learn a bit more about them in different ways, things that you don't normally discuss. And um, you know, there's a lot of thinking that he puts into into his role at the iMac uh, with the iMac scene and stuff like that. And and, and really using some of his energy to try to drive uh, an increase in participation, which is, is what is needed if you're trying to build anything. So well done to Ratnut, you're a good bloke. Well, what's happening next week? Not quite sure. Uh, won't be, the weather's turning cold here down here in Victoria. Winter's coming early. It snowed today up at, uh, up at the high peaks. So what does that mean for flying? I don't know, we're gonna have to play it by ear, but chomping at the bit to get out there again. I've already checked the calendar, see when the next jet event is. Once again, big thank you to all the turbine guys at the uh, Wang Jets, the organisers, McCarthy, and Greg Escort, and Russell Easterway. Um, again, big thanks to Greg Escort, Mark, Michael Timms, Phil Salima, Charles. Uh, you know who you are. Big thank you. So I appreciate all the help. And uh, we'll remember you guys for many years to come. So, till next week, see you later.